0: Our oh, Father in heaven, thank you for the gift of life today. Thank you for the opportunity to continue to study the word of Jesus. I thank you that your Holy Spirit will lead us into truth as we study together. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you, if you brought your Bible with you, to go to the same text in uh, Luke chapter 10. <laughs> you say, well, Derek, you spend the whole time just on this one text. Well, it's important. And Sometimes we read the Bible very quickly. I was just talking to someone about growing in the spiritual life, and I said sometimes we think in Bible reading that we have to read through the whole Bible. And I think sometimes it's good to read through the whole Bible, but... If you're really wanting to grow in your relationship with Jesus, you might want to just read through the Gospels three or four times a year. Maybe read the Desire of Ages for some extra commentary, but, you know, sometimes it can get a little depressing reading through Judges and uh, Chronicles. And so, I'm so thankful for the Gospel record, and we're studying in Luke chapter 10 These are the words of Jesus recorded as he sends out the 70 to every city and place where he himself was about to go. And it includes us. So you have your Bible. Please come in and find a place. Uh, In Luke chapter 10 and verse 2, Jesus said to them, the Harvest Truly is Great. And if you are with us in part one of this series, you will remember that the harvest is not the judgment harvest at the end of the age, right? It, it is uh, with angels or with the Son of Man as the reaper, the one seated on the throne. no. The harvest here is present missionary activity. The, there are men and women, uh, boys and girls, just waiting for the invitation to be a part of the kingdom. And, and who are the reapers in the present harvest work? Yeah. Everyone who becomes a follower of Jesus is called to be... a a laborer in the harvest, okay? And Jesus says the harvest truly is great. Now, we're just reviewing for those of you that maybe uh, weren't with us the first time. He tells us it's great because many times it doesn't look great to us from a human perspective. And so we begin to pray, God... Help me to see the world as you do. Help me to see uh, the people at work or even the people in my own family as you do because he sees a great harvest uh, when we sometimes don't see any harvest at all. And uh, so I pray constantly, God, help me to see the world as you do. That's the radical perspective. Please come over and find a seat. Just walk in front. No cameras. The radical perspective, the harvest truly is great, but what's the radical problem? Elida. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. The the laborers are few or perhaps more accurately, the laboring laborers, the the working workers. So many people walk around with a T-shirt saying "worker," but they're not working. Uh, I'm a laborer, yep, but I'm not laboring. Please come through. There's some seats over here. And we we asked ourselves the question: uh, Why are there so few laboring laborers? And we came to the conclusion that uh, many have become... What's the word? Distracted. Distracted. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we know that God wants to use us, right? To bless others. We know if He has called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light, uh, that He wants to do that for other people. And so... We know that we really should be joining him in his harvest work, but sometimes we become distracted. And do you remember from our study, Jesus was telling a story, not about work actually, but about coming to a supper, but still people were distracted. And what were some of the things that distracted them? Do you remember? Yeah, relationships. Hmm? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but... I was involved in a relationship that distracted me, okay? It almost cost me my soul. So it is possible for a relationship, right, to distract you. What were some other things besides relation? Work. Yeah, work. Do you know that it is even possible for a person who is in full-time ministry to let the work distract them from doing what God wants them to do? <laughs> What are you doing? I'm just doing all these things, you know. Instead of saying, Lord of the harvest, what do you want me to do? Delegate responsibility to other people so you can do what he really wants you to do. Okay? So, relationships can distract us. Work can distract us. Uh, what else can distract us? Material possessions. Right. I'm probably going to have to donate my chairs here. Huh? Material possessions can distract us too. So, uh, yeah. So, I can, I, I wish I could say that that only happens uh, outside of the church. But I think that even inside the church, there are. There are times, maybe even when we have allowed material possessions to distract us from joining the Lord of the harvest in His work. We could spend much more time on that, but as I mentioned to you, you can either pick up one of my cards and send me an email, and I will send you a complete copy of my little book, The Radical Prayer. There's a whole chapter on the radical challenge, uh, excuse me, the radical problem, the distractions. Or you can go to the website, theradicalprayer.com and you can download the presentations free. Okay? So you can read more about that. But because the harvest is great, but the laboring laborers are few, Jesus asks us... In fact, it's even more than asking. He really commands us. He um, earnestly appeals to us to pray a radical prayer. And uh, if you were with us in part two of this presentation here at Impact Scandinavia, you will remember that the word that is used even to pray is a very strong verb. Uh, it's the verb deomai, and it means to what? Do you remember? Beg. To beg. Yeah. To beg or to cry out. You're like, whoa. It's not just, hey, Jesus, help me have a nice day. Amen. No. It's very earnest. It's very intense. And we looked at some examples. A leper, Lord, if you're willing, or... A demoniac set free. Oh, Jesus, I want to go and beg you to go with you. It's very strong. So even before we know what the prayer is, we sense that it's a very radical prayer. Just the way we're praying. Crying out to God. Jesus says, cry out to God. Beg the Lord of the Harvest. Very important point. Remember from last time. We're not trying to somehow change God's heart eh? by praying louder or more earnestly. Otherwise, we could be like the prophets of Baal. Well, maybe then if I cut myself, God will hear... hear, Right? No. Whose heart needs to change? Yeah. So, what am I doing? I am, by the way I'm praying, I'm saying, God... I am tired of the way things used to be. Amen? And I just want to cry out to you and I'm giving you permission to do something radical. So that if the enemy comes, Satan comes and says, how dare you use Elida so powerfully, or Vibeke how dare you use, uh, and I could use Pranilla or someone else's name, I can't remember everyone, (laughs) that Jesus will say, my child cried out to me. Be silent, Satan. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. (laughs) My child cried out to me. Come on through and find some seats over here. There's several just make a place no cameras just walk right through Um, so before we've even looked at the content of the prayer we, we get the intensity of it cry out to the Lord of the harvest beg the Lord I'm really serious God whatever you need to do and and by the way, after part two, some people came to me and they said, you know, I have prayed that prayer. I, I didn't understand the, the text. It's not translated very accurately, but there have been men and women of God down through the ages and even today who, who have said, God, whatever you want to do, right? Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whoever you want me, right? That is the radical prayer. But I'm just explaining what Jesus said here. That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. Because he says, because the harvest truly is... Yeah? But the laboring laborers are... Yeah. So I want you to cry out to the Lord of the harvest and here comes the shock for me as I'm reading through the Bible. It happened to be reading uh, in the Greek text and I'm expecting to see two apostello send out because it's in verse 1 and then it's verse 3 and it's translated as send out in verse 2 but that's not what's there and so I'm like what, what is this? I'm not an expert in Greek so I look up ekbalo you remember the word ekbalo? it doesn't mean to send out ekbalo means to cast out throw out even drive out. Remember, Jesus is driven out by the Spirit. It's a very strong word. If you look up Ekbalo in a concordance, more than 30 times it's used for casting out demons. (laughs) That's intense. I mean, that's different from, Dear Jesus, help me to have a nice day today. God, I beg you to ekballo laborers into your harvest. And, and as I shared with you in part two, you can't pray that without saying, and, and God, you have my permission to begin with. Amen. Here I am, God. What's going to happen to me? I don't know. Denali came to me uh, here, Do you know Tanali? He's from Finland. He's really tall. We're talking together. He's looking at me. He said, uh, you remember that we met in uh, Malaysia, Kota Kinabalu, on the island of Borneo a couple of years ago. I said, yeah. He said, uh, I prayed the radical prayer. Today he, he and, and he didn't know what God wanted him to do, huh? And today he is the health ministry director for Finland. (laughs) It's dangerous because you're not telling God. See, this is what we do many times, okay? Maybe not you. Maybe not in Sweden or Norway or Finland or Romania. Maybe it's just where I live. But you know what a lot of times I have seen people do? We make a little plan... And then we ask God to bless it. Oh, God, I've got this little plan. And the angels are going, what is that? Where did you find that? We're like, I made it. They're like, what is it? Because you see, we, we like to make little plans that we think we can do. Right? Six years ago, a man came into my office in Orlando, Florida. He said, Derek, God wants you to speak to the world. I said, how is he going to do that? He said, I don't know, but get ready. You see, God's plan... Is way bigger than our plan. Within one year, he was offered a position as vice president of a major satellite network in the US, and within three more years, we were speaking to 50 million potential viewers in North America. Today, 60 hours of global television coverage. It's impossible. We don't have any money. (laughs) But God doesn't need money. God just needs your heart, right? And your willingness to join him in his work. You see, when you give him permission to ekballo you, that's a new Swedish word, ekballo, new Danish word, new Romanian word, ekballo. When you give God permission to ekballo you, as we discovered, he's going to put you exactly where you will be most effective. Tanali is exactly where God wants him to be as the health ministry's director in Finland. You say, how long will he stay there? I say, I have no idea. God may egg him somewhere else. Or God may, do you remember the slam dunk in basketball? God, I just, I cry out to you to, to throw me out. And God says, okay, um, I want you to stay right at the Madison School where you are. So then you get up and you don't say, well, I'm just here because this is where I am. I'm here because God wants me here. Does that make a difference? Does that make a difference? When you get up in the morning and you're here because it's where God wants you to be and not just because it's where you are. Having prayed that radical prayer, we come to verse 3 and this is what we're going to study for the next hour Luke 10 if you have your iPhone, iPad, i something or maybe just a regular book Luke 10 and verse 3 go your way Jesus says behold i send you out that's apostello that's what we normally use to send out i send you out what does it say in your Bible? A- as lambs? No, I grew up in England. Grew up in England, a little island off the coast of Europe. Where I grew up, if you were feeling strong, where I grew up, we would say, I feel as strong as an ox, that's what we said where I grew up. Okay. So, what did they say where you grew up? What do they say in Italy? Not sure. What 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 do they say in your country? As strong as a Mali bull. They want it. A, a Mali bull. That's in that's from Australia. Lion. All right. Okay. So, as strong as a Mali bull. Never heard of it, but it's strong. <laughs> As strong as a lion. huh? Anybody else? Yeah. yeah, if you're from Canada or somewhere else, yeah, as strong, or maybe Finland, as, as strong as a bear. Yeah, any, any, any other one? Those are pretty good. Bear, lion, ox, bull. Did anybody grow up in a place where they said, I feel as strong as a lamb today? <laughs> You know, you you're going into an uh, arm wrestling match. How are you doing? I'm feeling as strong as a lamb today. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lambs are not that strong, right? I mean, have you seen a lamb recently? Like, wing, wing, wing. I mean, they're not that strong. You don't go, whoa, a lamb, whoa. <laughs> it's cute, but it's not that strong, right? where I grew up, the island where I grew up in England. Uh, We would say, I feel as wise as an owl. I don't know why they said that. I never did understand that. Do you know what that means? Because because the owl sits and thinks. Okay? I thought it was because the owl can turn its head all the way around. (laughs) I don't know. You know, <laughs> uh, someone said when an owl hunts, is very quiet. You know, I don't know. But that's what they said where I grew up anyway. Uh, what did they say where you grew up? As wise as... A fox. Yeah, I heard some. Wise as a fox. You know, fox is very sneaky. Yeah. Wise as a fox, maybe anyone else. Wise as... Yeah, in the Bible it speaks of wise as a serpent. I don't use that because I don't like snakes, but, um, but uh, I think they say a serpent is wise because it, uh, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't put itself in danger uh, unnecessarily and, and it, it protects its head. Huh? So I don't know, that's maybe why they say as wise as a serpent. Did, did anyone grow up in a place where they said uh, as wise as a lamb? I taught at the university. Actually, I still am a professor at Southern Adventist University in the distance learning program. But I taught there full time for 14 years. Uh, if it was time for an exam and two people were walking in and one said to the other, "Are you ready?" and they said, "I feel as wise as a lamb today." <laughs> you say, "I pray for you." Okay. <laughs> uh, yes. Lambs, lambs are not that wise they're not I mean sheep are not that wise Uh, lambs are even less wise so so what is Jesus trying to tell us we've just I mean he's told us the harvest truly is what the laboring laborers are so cry out to God to ekbalo laborers and, and include yourself into the harvest and by the way you ready yes God I pray you throw it and he's throwing it and I said by the way let me tell you you're just a lamb what is he trying to tell us why does he say that he's trying to tell us that we are not that strong and we're not that to make matters worse you read the text He said, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Yeah, I just cannot imagine a lamb bouncing out into the field one morning and go, Woohoo, there's the wolves, you know. (laughs) Let's go wolf spotting today. (laughs) Um, Lambs. They're afraid of wolves for very good reason. Uh, what do wolves do to lambs? Jesus talks about uh, in the great sermon on the mount, Matthew 7. He, he speaks about uh, ravenous wolves, Matthew seven fifteen. 15. What does ravenous mean? Do you know the word? It means like you know, it's like, did you miss breakfast? He said, I'm ravenous. <laughs> yeah, like really hungry. So, little lamb goes bouncing out. Woohoo! Some ravenous wolves. It's a bad day for a lamb, right? <laughs> um, and and by the way, it's not just wolf. That would be bad enough. It's wolves, plural. And and not only wolves, but where is the lamb? in the midst of the wolves behold Jesus says I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves wow maybe someone says um, I, I don't think I'll pray the prayer And I would say to you, don't pray the prayer unless you understand what we're going to study now. Because you really need to know what Jesus says next. So look in verse 4. Jesus is saying, you're not that strong and you're not that wise. And there are enemies out there. So here we go. Verse 4. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals. In Matthew's gospel, when the twelve are sent out, uh, Jesus is even more specific. He says with the money bag, he says, don't carry any gold or silver or copper. Yeah. No 100 kroner, 50 kroner, or 2 kroner piece. Yeah. Do you have a 2 kroner? No. 5? 10? You have 1 and 5. Okay, so don't take those even. Yeah. Now, does anyone here like to travel? Do you like to travel? Yeah? So. If you're an experienced travel traveler, what do you need more of? Do you need more bags or more money? If you've ever been on a long trip, usually you come back saying, I wish I took less bags and more money. Really, money is pretty important when you travel. And Jesus says, oh, by the way, uh, did I just tell you that you're not that strong and not that, uh, and you're in the midst of and by the way when you go out don't take any money with you <laughs> and not only don't take any money bag with money in it Matthew tells us but don't take my Bible then says don't take a nap sack hmm what does your Bible say there? Script. Well, that's really helpful. We all know what script is, right? Script? Do you have any script? Got any script today? Do you have any script? You're like, Derek, I have no idea what script is. And my response would be, most people who speak English as a first language have no idea what script is. So, if there's a word in the text and you don't know what it means how can you find out what it means? You could look up uh, in a, do you remember we looked up the word deomai or I gave you some examples of other places it's used like the leper begs or the man set free from a demon unfortunately this word translated knapsack or "scrip," is only used in connection with this instruction. in the, That's the only place in the Bible. So that doesn't help us. It's used in speaking to the 12. It's used in speaking to the 70. But there's no other context where this word is used. So it doesn't help us. And by the way, if ever you find... Uh, in different translations different like scrip knapsack another place says bag that's an illustration that they don't know what it means okay because it's like coming up as different things if it's obvious uh, if it's obvious like lamb among wolves every translation will say lamb, lamb 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 because the word is lamb right but this one comes up as different words and it doesn't help us in the New Testament because it's only used in connection with don't take this with you. So then what do you do? If, it, if you can't use a concordance, you said you could look it up. And that, that's interesting. If you, if you use a lexicon, that's, that's kind of like a way to look a word up. It, it will show you uh, classical Greek. That's older Greek than the Koine or the Greek of the New Testament. It will show you some places where that word is used in classical Greek. And I did that and I found something very interesting. Very interesting. I never knew. I've never read it anywhere except uh, it's in this little book. (laughs) But I think it's true. In classical Greek, this word uh, translated... Knapsack or scrip was a beggar's bag. It was a bag that a traveling teacher would carry, and it was a sign that you were supposed to help support him. Uh, I, I don't know if you have this in uh, Scandinavia and we're not all from Scandinavia but uh, back in North Carolina did you ever drive somewhere in Australia and someone's there with a little cardboard sign you know please give me money do they do that in, in Scandinavia? no? some places? yeah? and they're there every day? especially in the cities right? little cardboard sign So, this bag, this beggar's bag, was kind of like a cardboard sign. It was like saying, you have to to support me financially, I've got this bag. That's what it meant in classical Greek. Now, if it means that in this text, and I, I think it does, Jesus is saying, okay... Don't take any money because I don't want you to depend on that. And I don't want you to take a beggar's bag and... And what? Yeah, like ask for money. Now, please don't misunderstand me. If someone offers you money or a place to stay, you read on in the text, it says accept it with thanksgiving, right? Be grateful, accept it. But don't go around saying, you know, I love Jesus and I'm working for Jesus and if you love Jesus, you have to give me some money. And if you don't give me any money, you don't love Jesus. Now, maybe this doesn't happen in the place where you live, but have you ever met someone that they they kind of try to make you feel guilty if you don't help them? Yeah? Yeah? Have you met someone like that? No? No? Yeah? It's like, well, you have to help me because I'm doing God's work. Jesus says, don't do that. Someone came up to me one time. They said, um, your wife's scripture songs. My wife writes scripture songs. Your wife's scripture songs have been such a blessing to my family. My, my daughter in her early 20s was very sick and, and listening to those scripture songs just was like life to our family. And, and we, would like to, we would like to produce one of your wife's CDs in Spanish. Okay? So they said, we want to take Rivers of Living Water, one of them, and it becomes Rios de Agua Viva. I think so. Is that Spanish? Anyone speak Spanish? Huh? Rivers of living water. So so, I said, well, you can use the same soundtracks, but, but you have to find someone to record it. Well, they found someone who would record it for 6,000 kroner, approximately, which is not very expensive, but it's still a lot of money. So I'm thinking, okay, God, I don't know how you're going to do that. They said, would you be willing to to uh, pay that for us would you be willing to sponsor that so we can have it in Spanish and, and we felt impressed that God wanted us to do that okay. something amazing happened the same weekend that we told them okay I was speaking at a conference and while I was there a lady came up to me I never saw her face she had grey hair though I saw and uh, she came by me and she, she just said, God, God, God impressed me to give this to you. It was an envelope. And then she walked away. Would you like to guess what was inside that envelope? The exact amount. So I run back and give it back to her, right? And say, Oh, no, 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 I can't accept this from you, right? no why because it says in the text if, if God impresses someone to help you, if someone offers you a place to stay you, you accept it with thanksgiving ok but what I don't do is say ok folks excuse me I am helping a person to make a CD in Spanish it will cost 6,000 kroner if you really love Jesus, you need to help me. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't take, depend on your own money and don't try to force people to help you. Carry neither money bag, knapsack, nor sandals. Is it true that those who really love Jesus and go on mission work should not wear anything on their feet? Huh? Should we? Ah! What's the verb at the beginning of the verse? Carry. So, Veli Lauri said, Extra. Was that you? Oh, it was you, Annette. Sorry, I heard a voice from over there. Annette says extra. It's not saying that you can't wear nice warm boots here at Home. It's saying when you go on your mission assignment, you're not taking a lot of extra stuff with you. By the way, Matthew says don't take an extra stick, extra cloak, extra PA system, three extra laptops, four projectors. How's the mission going to go? It's going to be really good. I mean, look at all of my stuff. I've got the stuff. And Jesus says, don't take any stuff. Don't take a beggar's bag. Don't take any money. What is Jesus trying to teach us radical dependence so that and hear me carefully so that at some later point if we have money which we take with us we don't depend upon the money. If God impresses someone to help us, we don't depend upon them. We thank God for them, but we don't depend upon them. If we have equipment, like Lifestyle TV, if Lifestyle TV, anybody here from Lifestyle TV? Yeah? if Lifestyle TV thinks that their impact depends upon their equipment, their ministry is over. Right? (laughs) So that if you have equipment or stuff which you take with you on your mission, you don't depend upon that. You depend upon... God because you are just a lamb and lambs are not that strong and they're not that and you're in the midst of I learned this lesson the hard way the easy way is to read the Bible and say okay this is what it is and I'll just live this way but we don't do that always I learned the difficult way the lesson of radical dependence after my third year of college at Newbold College in England I got a job planting trees in shipping. someone know where shipping is So we go over, there were three of us, and we go there, and they teach us how to plant trees. Has anyone here ever planted trees, by the way? Okay, yeah. We're not talking about like big trees, right? We're talking about little trees, and uh, they come in bundles, and you have a cloth to keep the roots damp, right? And you have this kind of tool, I don't know what it's called, like a, some kind of pick or axe or something, a pick. And, and you step one meter and you take this tool and you swing it and you make a hole and you put one of the little trees in and you stand on it and then you step one more meter and you swing the tool and make a little hole, you put the tree in. And, and I planted a thousand trees a day. And I'm counting the money every time I plant the tree. Because I have this nice little plan and I've asked God to what? See, I, I had just uh, one more year, actually only one semester, to finish my studies at Newbold College. And, um, and I was going to earn all of my school fees and then I was going to work for God. but I had not learned the lesson of radical dependence. So one day while I'm planting trees, my two friends with me out in the middle of the woods, we're staying in a little hoota, no people around. A man comes walking through the woods dressed uh, uh, kind of more formally And I'm like, who is that? And he's calling, couldn't hear what he was saying. And as he got close, I heard, Harold, oh, that was my friend's name. And then as I looked carefully, I recognized the man. It was Harold's older brother. I had known him many years before when I was a little boy growing up at New College. He was a student then. His name was Terry Joshua. And he came and he hugged his brother and, and Derek, what are you doing here? I said, oh, I'm planting trees, you know, a nice little plant. He said, I'm in charge of the literature evangelists in Sweden for the summer. Would you like to be a literature evangelist? And I thought to myself, I would rather be hung upside down by my feet because because I don't like to sell things is anyone here like me you don't like I mean I think it's a fantastic work but I don't like to sell things so I'm like no thank you Terry I have uh, this plan plant trees pay my tuition Terry left I never saw him again that was Tuesday I planted trees on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Sabbath morning I got up and I said to my two friends are you going to church they said no Uh, we don't have any way to get to church and uh, we don't speak Swedish and I didn't speak Swedish. So they said, we'll just stay here on Sabbath and read our Bibles. and So, on. so they stayed, but I thought, oh, I want to go to church. I, don't, I still to this day do not know why I wanted to go to church that day because I didn't speak Swedish. I didn't know where the church was. I, Jönköping was maybe, I don't know, 15 kilometers away. I didn't even know where to go. But for some reason, I believe in God's bigger plan. I got up, uh, got dressed, and walked out to this little road in the middle of nowhere. There are no cars. And I, I really, I don't know that I even knew which way the city was. I think I knew it was that way. Some i waiting and a little sob comes by. Do they still make sobs? Not anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> little sob. And a lady is driving. And she stops. Yeah, that's dangerous, you know. Strange man. Don't know who he is. Lady driving. But she stops. I don't speak any Swedish. So, so I say to her, I want to go to the Seventh-day Adventist church in the town. Now, I've lived in countries where when you say Seventh-day Adventist Church, they say, what? 7 <laughs> What? <laughs> they, they don't know what it is. I, I've never heard of that. What is that? And I'm speaking a different language. Seventh-day Adventist Church. I just y'all. Okay, so... <laughs> so she waves for me to get in the car I get in the car she goes driving into the town right left right stops the car I look out of the the window and there is a church and and you know I can't I can't read the Swedish but um, but the door is open and people are going in I think Sabbath must be a Seventh day Adventist church, right? So I say thank you to the lady. I never saw her again. I don't even remember how I got back to the Hutte. But I go into the Sabbath school and I sit through the whole Sabbath school and I don't understand anything. You know, hold up, hold up. And, and and then every once in a while, you know, someone says, Amen and they go, Amen. <laughs> um, Hallelujah. You know, I mean I I didn't understand, but I was like happy to be there and and they were happy to be there. So we said through Sabbath school. And then it was time for the the worship service. And I'm sitting in the church and the preacher walks out with the elders and I recognize him. It wasn't Terry Joshua. It it was someone that I knew when I was a little boy uh, at Newbold College. His name some of you may have heard. His son is now the president of the Swedish Union. His name was Stig Schilander. His son, Bobby Schilander. Some of you know. Stieg Schilander, I recognize him, walks out to preach. He has driven all the way from, from near Stockholm to Jönköping to preach that day. And he is the publishing director of the Swedish Union. You know what's about to happen. So I sit through this church service and I don't understand what he's saying. But after the church service, he comes up to me. He says, Derek, uh, one of your friends up in Anschlussvik, couldn't even say it, is sick and and the other uh, team, the person needs someone to go and work with him as a literature evangelist for the summer. Will you go? (sighs) And then I remembered something that, that... that many people say when they want to get out of doing something. Yeah, who said that? I will pray about it. <laughs> you know, sometimes people say that when they have no intention of praying about it, right? I will pray about it. If you say that, then do it, right? Well, I'll pray about it, eh? But I thought, well, my, it seemed like God was trying to catch my attention. So I said, well, here's what I will do. I will go to the forestry commission there in jonkoping i I'm supposed to work for the whole summer, but I will go talk to the director there and see if he will give me permission to stop planting trees so I can go to the north of Sweden. Thinking in my mind, What? That he will say, no way, can't. You have, you have agreed to work for this many weeks and so you must... So I planted trees all the next week and on Friday we took the day and we went to Yuen Chipping, we went to the director there in the Forestry Commission and I told him, he spoke English, um, that I had been invited to do this and, and he not only gave me permission... But he took money out of his own pocket. I had never met him before. He took money out of his own pocket. I had no money. And he gave me some money for for my journey. I'd never met him before. So on Sunday morning... I went out to that same little road by the Hudda. I didn't even have a map. I just knew that Stockholm was over here and Ånsjölsvik was up there. And I was to go to the Adventist church in Ånsjölsvik. You say, you're mad. You don't speak Swedish. You would rather be hung upside down than sell books. You don't even know where you're going except you have a church in a town and you're standing out on the side of the road. Did I tell you that God's plans are bigger than our plans? You know, we have our little plans, right? I don't know how I did that. I mean, I'm not that strong and I'm not that wise. I don't know how I did that. But for whatever reason... I abandon my nice little plan and I'm standing on the side of the road and I get a ride and the people are going all the way across Sweden. They go all the way to the city of Uppsala. Now that's not far from here, right? How far is Uppsala from here? 45 minutes? It's pretty close, huh? Now Uppsala, for those of you that are not from Sweden, is a fairly good-sized city, right? Right? There's a university there. And I am dropped off in Uppsala. Do you know what I mean by dropped off? The car stops, says this is as far as we're going. You can wait on the side of the road. At five o'clock in the evening. Fortunately, it was the summer rather than the winter, so it was light. So I'm standing on the side of the road. The cars are. It was actually what we call in, in... in English an overpass it was a raised road there were other roads down I'm standing on the side I'm trying to stay alive on the side of the road in Uppsala I have no idea where I'm going to sleep will I sleep on the side of the road where will I I just know I'm going to to the Adventist church and while I'm standing there on the side of the road trying to stay alive a little car goes by and stops and it was a young lady a young lady driving I thought why would a young lady stop for a strange man she turned her head to reverse and I recognized her There were just a few Swedish students at Newbold College that previous year, and one of them just happened to be driving along in Uppsala at five o'clock in the evening. And as she drove along, she looked, and she said, "I have no idea what Derek Morris is doing there." <laughs> but he looks like he needs help. (laughs) So she stopped. She backed, stopped, rolled down the window. What are you doing here? I said, I'm going to... (laughs) She said, where are you going to sleep tonight? Do you want to come and sleep at at my house? I'm like, yeah. Ja. <laughs> I'd learned one Swedish word. Uh, so she got, I got into the car. I met her parents, had a beautiful Swedish supper. They gave me a nice uh, bed and a duna to sleep. And I slept so soundly. And I'm like, thank you, God. Got up the next day, and they took me back to the road. <laughs> <laughs> They're not going to drive me to, ooh, woo, woo. Well, I finally get to the church in Marshall's so and my friend Robert is there. Uh, he's the one, healthy one still there and, and I'm supposed to work with Robert. And, and they give me um, a little speech to learn. Has anyone here ever sold books? Yeah? Okay? Okay. So they, they, they call it in English a canvas because canvassing was the old word for literature evangelist. I don't know why they called it canvas. Maybe in the old days it was written on canvas or something. But anyway, they give me this little speech to memorize. And to this day, I really have no idea what it said. Hold, 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 hold. So I, I tried this little speech, I memorized it. You know, it could have said, I'm really hungry and I need help, or I'm going to cry if you don't buy my book. <laughs> So, so they told me, okay, okay, this is what they said: uh, set a goal to sell uh, one thousand kroner per week because that's not very high, but you've never done this before and you don't speak Swedish, so one thousand kroner. <clears throat> okay, so I learned a little speech and I start on Wednesday. And people bought some things. I'm like, yeah. So I go door to door. And in three days Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday I sold 1,000 kroner. And I thought, I'm good. I'm hot. God is really blessed to have me on his team. In fact, I was so proud of my accomplishments that I decided to go on holiday. I'd only been working for three days and I went on holiday. I went to Finland, to Kalionemi. For the weekend to celebrate my success. (laughs) Came back on Monday morning. You know what's about to happen, right? (laughs) Came back on Monday morning. Ten hours. Ten hours knocking on doors. Would you like to guess how much I sold? Nothing. And I came home that night and said, You know, those people have a problem. (laughs) I should have been looking in the mirror. Those people have a problem. But up the next day, Tuesday, I think I prayed, went out for 10 hours. Would you like to guess how much I sold? Nothing. By the end of Tuesday, I was starting to have psychological problems. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you can relate to this. This may sound really strange to some of you. but i was actually i was actually coming to the place where i hoped that no one was home because for so many times people had said but there was one little bit of hope wednesday the top salesperson the top literature evangelist from all of Sweden was coming to work with us. And when I, I I was expecting to see someone like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. (laughs) You know? And this little man came and he didn't look very impressive. I did not understand that power is not In the outward appearance, power comes from a living connection with God. Amen? Amen. I didn't. You say, Derek, you are very stupid. You're just a lamb, and lambs are not that strong. And they're not that. But anyway, he came, and we worked all morning together. Would you like to guess how much we sold? <laughs> Even he was getting a little discouraged, I think.
1: <laughs>
0: and then um, somehow I realized that I felt like Jonah you remember the story of Jonah? When Jonah finally says, I am the problem if you throw me out of the boat. So I said to this man, I said, um, and he spoke some English, I said, why don't you go and work with Robert, my friend? And he went, and and they began to sell books. And I sat down on the side of the road, just on the curb, and I said, I give up. I can't do this. I can't even give these books away. Can't do it. I, I felt far away, but actually I was closer to God, <laughs> maybe than I had ever been, because I was close to the place of complete surrender. I said, God, I can't do this. But I I know you brought me here. And so, if you want to do this through me, I'm willing. I can't do it. got up, went to the next house, and before I even got to the door, the Holy Spirit was there before me. Say, so how do you know? <laughs> I know because when I knocked on the door and they opened the door, they were smiling and they bought a book. And I went to the next house and the same thing happened. During that summer, I went to villages in the north of Sweden. People said they had been praying for years for someone to come. Some days after I prayed that prayer, I came to the house of a gray-haired lady. She didn't speak any English she didn't have much um, of earthly wealth but she beckoned that she wanted to pray for me and we knelt down together and she laid her hands on me and she prayed and I didn't understand what she was saying but I knew that she was connected to God thank God someone is praying we're not that strong we're not that wise shortly after that visit and what I'm going to share with you is so remarkable I hesitate to share it but I have to I have to tell you shortly after that I went to a home the lady had two sons one was studying to be an evangelical Lutheran pastor one was 12 years old I thought I would give her this I would try to sell her this book like Bible readings Bible study so I I showed her the book she wasn't interested um I don't know if you're supposed to do this as a literature evangelist but I, but I actually offered to give her the book and she said no and then the spirit of God spoke to my heart and said give you a testimony <laughs> she doesn't speak English I don't speak Swedish give your testimony so I opened my mouth and I began to give my testimony in Swedish you say how many of you are Swedish yeah so you say was it good Swedish like was it good grammar and I, I say, I have no idea. I don't speak Swedish, but I was speaking Swedish words. Maybe it was just like pigeon English, like, "I love God. You love God too." <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm not claiming that I could. You know, people say, "Oh, he sounds like a real Swede." You know, but I gave my testimony and and words, Swedish words that I had heard whether planting trees or sitting in the church that I didn't understand or going from door, were coming into my head and I'm speaking to this lady and she's understanding. She's not just, you know, looking at me like... So did God give me the gift of tongues or did God give her the gift of hearing? At the end of my testimony... She pointed to my bag. Did I tell you I tried to give her that book and she didn't want it? She pointed to the bag. You know what was in the bag? The Bible stories, 10 books, you know. It's quite expensive compared to the little book. She paid cash. She paid cash for the set of books. She said, I need that for my son. I walked out of that house You think I'm saying to myself, I'm good. I'm hot. Maybe I'll be the top salesman for the summer. I'm walking out of that house saying, (laughs) Blessed be the name of God. For the next five weeks, I spoke Swedish freely. You say, well, you know, there's, we can explain that psychologically, you know, it's like information overload, pattern recognition. I mean, you can explain it whatever you want. But somehow, and maybe it was like, oh, I love God, you love God too? I don't know. But somehow, God at least gave me the freedom to communicate in a language that I had not learned the good news about Jesus and we sold more books that summer and it wasn't me. Did I tell you I would rather be hung upside down? More books than anyone there of the student literature workers during the summer happened there even though I'm not that strong and I'm not that wise. I got back to at the end of the summer, the publishing house used to be a place called Yevli, near Stockholm. And you know how people talk, how did you do, how did you do, you know, we kind of compare, you know, who's the tallest and, you know. They said, let's go out and sell a few books and buy some pizza. I said, I, I really don't want to, oh, come on, come on, come on, let's go. We went out. Would you like to guess how much I sold? What was God reminding me of that night? I just want to remind you, Derek, that you are not that strong and you are not that... So what what I did there, Derek, is not about you. It's about me. Amen? Amen. It's about me. It's about my kingdom. When you join the Lord of the harvest in his work, and and I'm going to give some of you an opportunity to share now, but look back in Luke chapter 10. When When you radically depend upon the Lord, you don't depend upon your money, you don't impose upon other people that they are supposed to help you, You don't depend upon all the stuff you can carry with you. Verse 17 of Luke 10. And the 70 returned. What does it say? With joy. When you join the Lord in his harvest work. And you have to learn to radically depend upon Him because the work, the road is not easy. You will experience joy. The 70 returned with joy, they had a testimony to give of what God had done. And some of you have already experienced that in your own life. (laughs) When you join God in what He's doing, even though you're not that strong and you're not that wise, and you've seen God work in miraculous ways, and you experience joy. That's what... We've been hearing at Impact Scandinavia there's no there's no greater joy than joining God in what he's doing in the world. So is there someone that would like to share it? Like a 1 to 2 minute testimony. All right, let's start with Rita. Rita, stand up and speak up in 2 minutes, share the joy that you found.
1: Study physiotherapy, and I was supposed to learn uh, what's called anatomy. And do you know how many strange names you have to learn? Um, I will never do that. I was in a study group, and we get more and more stressed because we have to learn more difficult more. Just the time. But I said, God, you called me to do this, so you will help me. So I laid it down in His hands and uh, for the rest of the time I had watched totally choir. and my study group asked me Rita, how are you doing? Fine. How are you doing for this anatomy exam? I'm fine. I put it in Lord's hand. If I'm passed, it's fine. It's not. um, I won't pass. And praise the Lord, I passed about average. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Amen? Yeah, I mean someone else. Yes. I'm going to stand by you because uh, they're recording and they'll say, who was that and what did he say?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to just share briefly how how, how how the Lord led me to the Madison School. It's uh, quite a long, long story, but basically I was taking Spanish and uh, this I, had to, I had taken it for one year and then I had a one-year break and then I had to take last course in distance. And... For, for people with a Germanic language, Spanish is not the easiest language. And especially if you take a dif- distance at the, like the school where Spanish is like very high level. And basically I prayed with God. I said like, yeah. if you allow me to pass the, this exam, then I'll take one year off for you. And yeah, fair enough. I, I did all that I, I, I could do to, to study for the exam. Then I went to the exam. The, the uh, written part I was like, oh, this is wrong, 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 and then the oral part. Uh, she spoke to me. I said something back, and I was like sweating like crazy. <laughs> but nevertheless, I thought I would get like, uh, like uh, 40 percent or something. <laughs> and but anyway, uh, yeah, I I waited for the we result, and I got 70 percent and the funny thing is that was the highest grade I ever got in Spanish (laughs) but things happened the economy collapsed and a lot of of other things happened around that time and uh, I started university and then uh, to make a long story short I finished university and then God basically just impressed deeply on my heart you promised.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, what about you promised?
1: <laughs> right, 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 right. So he pressed deeply on the you promised. So I started sh- searching, searching for schools. And I was disappointed. I couldn't find almost anything. But eventually, I was led to the European Bible School. And I almost filled out my application there. I, I, I filled out, just need to send it in. But then I went to my brother. He was uh, talking to a Skype with a friend in Oslo. And just at that time, very coincidental, uh, my brother told, me, told him that I was thinking of a mission school. And then this guy told me to search for Madison, uh, to check it out. And I was like, sure. And basically, what happened is that, uh, just through that coincidence, I, I sent out an application for Madison. And then, uh, yeah, God left me there. And as you can see now, the European Bible School is closed and a lot of other things going on. So yeah, that's a short story.
0: Did you find some joy at Madison?
1: Yeah, unbelievable.
0: Unbelievable. Praise God. Say amen. 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 <laughs> yeah, I want to share one last story and we're going to uh, close. Uh, you've been a great group. And I had a, a young man come to my office uh, when I was a lead pastor in Orlando, Florida. He was 25 years old from the Ukraine, named Oleg. And when I met him, I recognized him full of... the. Holy Spirit full of wisdom and so I, I invited him I said um, Oleg um, I'd like to invite you to become a full-time teaching pastor on our staff I have no money he prayed about it for one twenty-four hours he came back he said I accept he he read um, this book the Radical Prayer the topic we've talked about. He said, I believe God wants this available in Russian. This was in February. He said, I believe God wants this available in Russian. He translated it in uh, two weeks into Russian. And by the the general conference uh, that summer, it was printed and available in Russian. By August, I was training 500 pastors in the Ukraine to use this resource in the ministry because of this one young man. He prayed the radical prayer. He said, I'm willing to join the staff at Forest Lake Church with no money. He had a master's degree in biblical studies from Newbold College and he wanted to take a PhD in New Testament. You say, well, what, how, how can you afford to work for free as a teaching pastor if your goal is to Take a PhD that costs a lot of money, but but remember when you pray the radical prayer, instead of developing your little tree planting plan and asking God to bless it, you give God permission to what's the word? Ekbalo you you you, you trust that He will He will put you, and you won't depend upon your own resources uh, or try to make others feel like they have to help you, but you will just. Let God use you. Well, that's what this young man did. He had only been with us for two weeks. God blessed his ministry in Orlando in a phenomenal way. And today he is a lead Bible teacher for the Hope Channel. He's only 28. Lead Bible teacher for the Hope Channel. But God blessed his teaching ministry a powerful way there at Forest Lake Church in Orlando. He had been there for two weeks. One Sabbath, I introduced him to the congregation. This is Pastor Oleg. He's a volunteer teaching pastor. Here's how God is leading. A couple sitting in the church who were not members of the Forest Lake Church. They were actually from another state more than a thousand kilometers away. They were impressed by the Spirit of God, they called him on Tuesday and offered to give him the equivalent of 600,000 kroner to fully sponsor his PhD program. Is that, is that, is that not a lot of money here? Uh, he didn't stop serving as a volunteer pastor. He stayed waiting for God to show him the time. When they were looking for a lead Bible teacher for the Hope Channel, I had already moved to Washington. I said, I I know a young man. He's full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. He's now a lead Bible teacher in Washington at the Hope Channel. And he's just applying to enter into a PhD program in New Testament. When you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What did Jesus say in the great sermon on the mount? Matthew 6:33 Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all other things will be added to you. So, if, if you sense God wanting you to to study this topic more fully, I've been studying it for many years, so keep learning. You can go to theradicalprayer.com, just the title of the book, .com, and you can download free, free downloads, presentations, you can read them, you can study them. Or you can send me an email and I'll send you a PDF, an electronic copy of the book. If you want to read it and study it and think and say, Lord, what does this mean? What what are you wanting to tell me? And maybe you've gone through the whole thing and you're filled with joy and you're praying the radical prayer. But then just to reaffirm the journey that God has led you, or maybe you're at some place just waiting for a breakthrough. I just want to make that available. I want to thank you for being part of this uh, workshop. I want to thank you if you're listening. You've been blessed. And I just want to invite you to just uh, pray with me now, if you would, that God will take the word of Jesus that we've studied and apply it in a way that will change our lives. We thank you, Holy Father, that the words of Jesus have been recorded for us here by Dr. Luke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You guided Luke to gather this record. You have preserved it for us through the ages when people tried to destroy it. And now, even as we have read, your Holy Spirit has guided us to understand just this one teaching of Jesus. That you would invite us to join you in your work is amazing because we're not that strong and we're not that wise. But we thank you. We want to be laboring laborers we want to be working workers in your harvest field and we thank you for the promise that you will provide and that we will experience joy as we join you in your work thank you for this Impact Scandinavia conference thank you for the way you have blessed and spoke You have spoken to our hearts. Help us to listen and to live what we learn. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more.
0: If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org